So I I, I fell into comedy um, and started loving that a lot and then decided to hone my focus on musical comedy. And then that's really when things started to to gel for me and take off. That's when I got my first agent and my first off-Broadway show. And I got a cast recording with Steven Schwartz for this musical he was doing off-Broadway. Um, so things really started to click when I, when I focused, you know, so that's probably when, when things shifted for me and it's, you know, my business, my coaching business probably came a few years after that. Um, no, no surprise of sort of starting to figure out systems and structures that worked. here. Welcome back to Chasing Artists. I'm so excited for you to be joining me today as we chat with actor, producer, and career coach, and one of my favorite humans, Jody Bentley. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And head on over to patreon.com slash Xenia to join the fam and help keep this show going every single week and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes content, and early access for my music and writing. Again, that's patreon.com slash X-E-N-J-A. Your support means the absolute world to me. Jody Bentley is an LA-based actor, producer, and creative business coach. A graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts with a BFA in acting, she's worked for Netflix, Hulu, ABC, CBS, and many more. For the past 13 years, she's also been educating actors and artists on how to achieve their goals implement success strategies, become organizational masters, stop the self-sabotage, and own their brand. She has taught workshops on all of the above at SAG-AFTRA, Actors' Equity, Comic-Con, and over 50 universities and training programs. Jody's students have gone on to perform on Broadway, star in films, recurrent TV, book commercials and VO, land agents and managers, and live abundant, joy-filled, and creative lives. Hi, Jody. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Hello. So, so glad you're having me. I'm very excited. So I like to start with how my guests and I have met and uh, Jennifer Seifert sent me to you. And I actually, I had emailed her because I was in the artist's way for the first time. I'm not doing it for like the fifth time. Um, but it was my first time and I emailed her and I was like, Hey, like, do you know life coaches or like spirituality coaches? And she, she sent me your email and your info and was like, well, she's not really a life coach, but she knows her shit. And then I was looking on your website and I was like, career coach. And I was kind of like, what is Jen trying to tell me? <laughs> but, uh, I'm so, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm so I'm so happy she said with you. And I was thinking about this recently. I was like, like I'm really lucky to have gotten connected with you as early on in in my like career as as I did because I was like, oh. I don't know, I was probably wandering for like maybe a year, 
And like, that's considerably like a short time, you know, compared to what I could have been doing. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we found each other. <laughs> that Jen referred me, even though she, you asked for a life spiritual coach, because <laughs> that's not quite what I do. But, but I there's life coaching that happens, you know? Yeah. Well, there's, there's some crossover. And like with the Dare to Be Unstoppable program, and like there's, there's a lot of like, personal growth happening like in there too so but yeah it's like okay a career coach that works too <laughs> so okay so Jody, yes can we start with what brought you to pursue the arts in general Oh gosh. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like it's a similar story to, to most actors. I think I just needed an outlet, you know, as a kid, just to really be seen and heard, um, into, into play, you know, I think I, I was, I was, I was forced to grow up really fast because I was the younger sister, but big sister to my sister with special needs. So I was always her caretaker um, and I always looked out for her. So uh, I feel like for me, getting into acting and singing and dance, which I did as a kid, was really... God, just an outlet to play. It was an outlet to play and and, and tap into my own um, creativity and just to be seen for who I was. Uh, so that, I think that was what really drew me to it initially. And I just loved singing. I loved singing so much. Oh my gosh, wait, I didn't know you were a singer. Oh yeah, I did um, musical theater in New York City for many, many years. That was what I pursued. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay, what what was your favorite role to play in music in a musical? Oh God. Um, I loved, I, I, I loved Annie and Annie, get your gun. That was one yes. thing that I loved doing. Um, and I also loved, um, this, this smaller musical I did once, which I would love to do again, called they're playing our song. Um, and, um, but yeah, I'm, but now I'm really, I kind of, you know, stopped pursuing musical theater for a long while, but, um, yeah, one of my dream roles, in musical theater is next to normal, um, which I would love to do someday. So I've heard amazing things about that production. I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard so many good things. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. The music is really good. So yeah, I miss singing. I miss singing a lot, but it's, I need, I think I needed some space from it for a while. Yeah, totally. I feel like that's, that's normal. At least I experienced that. Like sometimes I'll be like very heavily into one thing and just need to like take a break and then come back at it like full force. Yeah, completely. With fresh eyes, new perspective. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So you went to Tish. Was that like, did you, did you have your heart set on going to an art college or did you just kind of like apply as a one-off? Um, well, I, w- I originally applied to, um, medical schools. What? <laughs> yeah. My goal, goal originally, um, well, I mean, I always loved acting, right. I did it all through like being, I started acting when I was 10 and did it all through high school and I loved it. And, and so I definitely applied to art schools and my U Tish being one of them, but I also wanted to be a cardiologist. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I applied to medical school. I applied to Brown Medical School and Brandeis. And um, I was literally on my way to my second interview for the pre-med program at Brown and got the phone call from NYU that they accept, accepted me early with a scholarship. Oh, nice. So I was like, 
yeah, I think I'm going to go do that. <laughs> I was like, I'll go, I'll go play a doctor, cardiologist on TV instead. Um, but man, I can't even imagine what my life would be like if I went to med school. It would be so different. So, but yeah, I was just, I was really drawn to to um uh, to medicine and, and cardiology specifically i don't know why um but yeah that was that was the plan for in the beginning that's so funny i had no idea yeah. i feel like those two i'm i'm trying to like think of like crossovers or parallels between those two fields and i'm the only one i've i thought of was maybe like the amount of focus that it would take True. Yeah, definitely. You get to have focus and persistence <laughs> in both of them. Yeah. But um, other than that, there's really not much cross. Yeah. I think. That's fantastic. I love that. How How is Tish? Because I, I mean, I've had friends who've gone there, but I don't like, what's it like? Um, I, I mean, I did. I loved it. I loved my experience there. It was definitely overwhelming. And I think I think NYU in general thinks it's overwhelming for people like going to school in New York City. So like my freshman year, uh, there was five of us in the dorm room. It was a, a, a two suites connected to one bathroom. So there's five oh. women sharing one bathroom. Um, but all five of us were from Massachusetts. <laughs> so it's like, were you just trying not to have us have culture shock coming to New Wait, York? You're from Mass? I'm I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> Wait, what? Did we not know this? I don't think so. Where are you? Where are you from? I was originally from Needham and then I lived in Newton for several years. Oh my gosh. Okay. I grew up in New Bedford. So an hour south of Boston. Oh shit. That's yeah, so well, New funny. Bedford. New Bedford. Nick Hip Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you were from Newton. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's so funny. Yeah. I almost went to Boston conservatory as well. Um, but I decided not to do a conservatory program. I wanted a university program, but yeah, yeah that's so funny. Yeah. So, but, but Tish was great. You know, I think I, I loved going to school in the middle of New York city like that. I loved that. I'm not, I don't, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in a huge town, but it was a big enough city. Um, it, but I couldn't imagine myself on like a small school on a tiny campus somewhere. Like I've always just been drawn to, to the hustle, you know? Yeah. And, so I, I, I loved that Washington Square Park was like my campus. And um, yeah, I liked Tish a lot. I, I studied at Stella Adler there. So I did that for, for three years straight because um, you have different um, acting studios that you can study when you're there. So I chose Adler and, uh, and I loved it. I loved the program. I loved the teachers. So yeah, I really, I'm, I'm really glad that I went there. I wasn't grateful for the debt when I graduated. <laughs> um, uh, there was that part. Um, but other than that, it was, it was, yeah, it was a great experience. It was so cool. It's like to move to New York at 17 to act, you know, yeah. like, cool to act. so that was, that was pretty wild. And did you, so did you stay after you graduated? Did you stay in New York or did you go? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. (laughs) When I left at 17, I was out. I was out. I I lived in New York until I moved to LA. So yeah, I was in New York a long time. Yeah. I had no desire to, uh, to, to leave. I really, that's what I wanted to do. Musical theater was the focus. Theater was the focus. So I always knew that, um, you know, I mean, once I went to, to NYU, I knew that I would probably stay in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm surprised I stayed there as long as I did. Um, but yeah, I, but there's there's no, I mean, the energy of New York, it, it's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Yeah. I I don't actually think I would like living in New York because I'm that person. Like I went to 
a very small liberal arts college. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> like I'm, everyone's like, because I'm in San Diego now, uh, trying to get up to LA soon, hopefully next week. Um, but everyone's like, you're gonna want to be in the middle of LA and Holland, and I'm like, no, I need a suburb. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, that's where I am now, though. I was definitely drawn to WeHo when I first moved here. I was like, it's like New York. It's like a mini New York. And I'm like, no, the apartments are too small and too expensive like New York. Go to the suburbs. Yeah. So what were your your early acting days like? Lots of musical theater. But like, what was the hustle like? Oh, gosh. Um, let, me, let me think. I mean, the, well, the cool thing was like growing up, um my high school drama club was freaking incredible like our high school directors um they rented all the costumes from new york for our high school productions wow. and our like auditorium was like i don't know I, i'm terrible with with um depth and space but i feel like our auditorium was like a thousand seats like it was huge yeah. and like, they, we put on like crazy productions so like early on i was super spoiled i was like wearing you know i mean i i played reno sweeney and anything goes and i'm wearing like the original dress from the broadway oh production God. do you know what i mean wow yeah like it was incredible um and then you know I'd have my own dressing room and all these things and then I moved to New York and I'm in college and all we're doing is like black box theater <laughs> and I was like what is this black box theater what is my dressing room what are my costumes you know yeah. um it was very uh it was very interesting um so but but I mean I think I was always a hustler like I always did summer stock I always went away during the summers and performed all over the country um I just loved it and in, you know graduating college was really I thought it'd be like, you know, famous on Broadway in like a year, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that, was, that was the master plan, which didn't really manifest <laughs> um, because it was really challenging. Like, I don't think they, not, I don't think I know that they didn't set us up to, you know, that had all the training I could have want to graduate, but I wasn't set up on how to manifest um, what I wanted and, and navigate the business at all. Yeah. So when I graduated, you know, and then you're shoved in the middle of New York City and you're like, go, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I really, I floundered for a long time and I was trying to do everything. I was trying to do musical theater, theater, um, audition for television, get into film, do soap operas, do commercials, do voiceover. Like I was trying to do everything and I got really burnt out. Mm -hmm. after graduating, like two years after graduating, I was like, what am I doing? This is hard. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then I sort of found, found my niche, but I would audition. I mean, I'd audition all the time for every non-paying theater gig and musical theater gig that I could find. Like yeah, I was, yeah. I was the master at booking, um, things that didn't pay me. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Um, because I don't, as I never really had dealt with any of, um, my issues of deservedness or making money as an actor or making, deserving to be paid for my talent and my art, yeah. you know, like my dad was an electrician. My mom was a nurse. You know what I mean? Like I came from very blue collar family and to pursue something that I loved. I think I carried a lot of guilt with me for a long time mm. about doing that, yeah. which manifested in self-sabotage for many years you know yeah, um, yeah. but yeah but you know I, I was just doing I did a, so many original plays and musicals my voice is on so many cast recordings of musicals that never made it <laughs> <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so that, that was the early days a lot yeah. of performing for free 
struggling, um, giving my talent away. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious if like the trying to do everything and then learning that that doesn't work is something that we all kind of have to go through to learn that it doesn't work because I every like all of my mentors are like 20 years older than me and they're like you can't do everything yourself and I'm still like no I but I can like I actually can <laughs> so <laughs> like, but I and, know I'm gonna learn that I can right right well believe me in my 20s I, I really thought I could do everything and then I don't even know what shifted then there was a point where I was like oh I can't I can't do all this. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. But I think that that's part of like being in your twenties, you know, yeah. especially as a woman, like as, asserting your independence and power and commitment and drive, you know, of I can do it. And then, but especially in this such a creative field that we're in, it is it's a collaborative medium, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's it's just too hard when we try to do it all. It's just too hard. Yeah, and it's it's like usually it'll come out less quality when you're wearing right. too many hats is what I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot to balance. It's a lot to balance. Yeah. It, I mean, it's hard because I feel like a lot of us, like, like artists will have so many different things that we are passionate about and we want to do it all. And it's like, okay, what, right. are, what are the top things? Exactly. And you can have a lot of passions and you can be pursuing them all, but just knowing that you can't pursue them all at once mm. and knowing that the fastest way to get somewhere is a straight line. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah. as opposed to 42 million curves with, you know, eight different directions. So, so yeah, then, I think then there was just a point where I was, I was tired of the, you know, 42 different movements to get me wherever mm-hmm. I wanted to go and focusing on too many things. And I really decided um, that musical comedy was what I wanted. Ooh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I, Cause when I graduated, I really, I wanted to do, um, drama. I wanted to do Chekhov and Ibsen and Shakespeare. Like I studied all that stuff. I loved that stuff. And when I graduated college, no one would, I could not even get an audition for that stuff. Um, cause I had this, you know, mop of red curly hair as I was going out in the world thinking that I was the serious dramatic actress and nobody saw me like that just perception wise. Mm. So I really, I, I fell into comedy, um, and started loving that a lot. And then decided to hone my focus on musical comedy. And then that, that's really when things started to, to gel for me and take off. That's when I got my first agent and my first off-Broadway show. And I got a cast recording with Steven Schwartz for this musical he was doing off-Broadway. Um, so things really started to click when I, when I focused, you know. So that's probably when, when things shifted for me. And it's, you know, my business, my coaching business probably came a few years after that. Um, it's no, no surprise of sort of starting to figure out systems and structures that worked, you know. But it was, it took a while for me to go, okay, narrow it in. What do you want to do? Let's do this thing. Um, and I did that until I sort of fell out of love with that and then switched gears, you know. But it was, yeah, musical comedy was, was my heart for so long. That's amazing. I was going to ask about uh, coaching a little bit later, but why don't we just jump to it now? Um, I So did you think you were going to be a coach? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've been doing it for over a decade. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What, I'm, I'm so curious, like how your coaching business has evolved in 13 years. Oh gosh. Well, 
you know, it started, um, because uh, like I said, like I started to get some traction and success in my career. And I think my, my acquaintances and peers and friends started to see, you know, me moving up. Um, and so then people would say, Hey, um, can, you know, what are you doing? Can I take her for coffee and pick your brain? Sure. Yeah. Mm. Let's go for coffee. And then after like literally like 38 coffee dates, I was like, <laughs> okay, I think I have a skill set here. I think something's going on. Um, and I guess I'll just dial it back. Like when, when I was really struggling, um, I decided to put my focus on business. So as I was pursuing acting, I was literally reading every business book I could get my hands on. Um, you know, from, uh, you know, like rich dad, poor dad for financial stuff to like getting things done by David Allen to ultimate sales machine. Like I was reading like everything, um, and really started learning about branding, marketing, sales, relation connect relationships building relationships like just educating myself on all of that and that's really when things started to gel for my career is when i really started to apply these business principles that are tried and true business principles that all businesses use to myself and try to make it accessible to my creative mind um so, so that's what friends were coming to me for and and i really started you know coaching them on like well who are you what's your niche what do you sell you know like what's your value proposition using all these terms in business terms i learned <laughs> and was so proud of um and uh and, and so yes yeah, so then after that i said you know i think i have a skill set so i started coaching one-on-one and i think i charged like i don't know 30 dollars an hour 40 dollars an hour when i first started um and I had a lot, I got a lot of clients and I was like, okay. And then that's when I started my business, their first business called the savvy actor. And I had a business partner with that. And, and we built that for almost 10 years. Um, and yeah, so it started off as coaching. Then I started creating classes to teach it. Um, two years into the business, I came out to LA. So I came out in 2010 um, and started teaching out here. An acting teacher that I knew said, LA needs you. Come on out. I'll host a free workshop. Um, you can sell a weekend course. And I said, okay. And I came out here by myself and I did a free workshop and I got like 30 people to sign up for a weekend wow. course. So a month later, I flew back out here. And then, then I started flying out to LA every three or four months to teach. Um, and that went on for about three years. So, so what was, what was great about that time was how fast the business grew and, and how much the name of our business, a savvy actor got out into the world. And we wrote a book and it was selling globally, which was really exciting. Uh, but also at that time, when that started taking off, my acting career took a back seat. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started, I, I mean, I had lots of coaching clients. I was building a business. Um, so it was really a, a struggle for me to balance that. And I still would go on auditions and I had an agent, but I wasn't actively pursuing it, you know, or doing it. And I kept booking out to travel and I was getting flown to universities to teach and, and it was very exhilarating. And then in 2013, I was kind of burnt out from it a little bit. And I decided to move to LA for acting and I started producing at that time as well. And, um, and that was one of the reasons to move to LA was, okay, let's get back to my truth of what I want, which is to act, right? It mm -hmm. is, it is to do this. And like, I love coaching. And I know that part of my purpose in this world is to, is to act and tell stories. Yeah, so, totally. 
Yeah. So the, so the evolution of the business has been interesting. Uh, when I moved out here, unfortunately, that business kind of fell apart. My business partner and I had a falling out. And a year later, I started another business, um, but it was really more reactionary of just wanting to be known as a business owner, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up giving that, leaving that business to my partner at the time uh, as well and walking away from that. And then I took about a year off from coaching And then now I've come back to it about three years ago in a totally different way. And I feel um, like talking about evolution of myself in the business is now I feel um, that I'm an actor with a, with a successful coaching business as Mm -hmm. opposed to I'm a, I have a coaching business and I act, you know? Um, And I think that's been a really big shift for me to, remember my why and what I teach, you know, and what I, what I want and my big vision and holding on to that. And I still can, can coach and do this other thing that fuels my soul, but remembering that I am meant to be in front of the camera and that's what I want. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, randomly saw one of your Instagram posts. I think it was like yesterday or something, but like all of the characters you were auditioning for were like drunk or something. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God. Every single one in like the past, like two weeks, one either drinking wine, Jack Daniels, martinis, smoking pot, smoking cigarettes. I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, I'm like, is my brand shifting? Is the industry writing more things for, you know, drunk white women? I don't know what's happening, but, um, yeah, it's been pretty fun actually. It's, it's the vibe. It's the vibe. Right. It's the 2021 vibe is what it is. Yeah. It's like the hangover from 2020. Exactly. Exactly. So did your um, acting career kind of pit, like when did it pivot to film and, and on camera stuff? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, like I said, musical theater, theater was a the focus for so long. And um, I think, you know, and then like when my business started 2008 and then, you know, 2010, 11, 12, everything kind of took a back seat. But I think it also took a back seat because I'd fallen out of love with the musical theater projects that I was seeing on Broadway at that time. Um, like I think now what's been happening is so exciting and I'm so in love with contemporary musicals and, you know, Hamilton and in the Heights and all this stuff is just so, uh, so compelling and engaging. And I was just seeing a lot of jukebox musicals happening, you know, like when, like around 2010 to 12. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to tell, I, like, I wanted, I, I wanted to tell deeper stories. I wanted character driven stuff. I didn't want to just, you know, do a jukebox musical. Um, so I think I've, I'd fallen out of love with musical theater for a while but uh everyone was like but you sing you should sing you should sing but you're a singer sing you gotta sing right so i was like okay Mm -hmm. i'll sing i'll keep singing um sure i'll sing (laughs) um but when i made the choice when i started teaching in la i started falling in love with la and i had already started doing some on-camera stuff in new york and i booked a ton of commercials and things like that and i really started loving the camera i was just such a different um experience and i enjoyed it Um, so yeah, when I moved to LA, that was sort of me also closing the door on musical theater Mm. and, um, jumping in wholeheartedly into the, into the film and television, uh, and producing market more so. Um, I I just don't think I admitted it to myself for a long time that, you know, again, this is where a lot of my dare to be unstoppable content comes from, from the course that I created was really, what do you, what's your passion and really reassessing it and staying on top of it because years can go by if we don't, and then we might not be pursuing what we really want to be pursuing. And that's what I found myself doing for a long time was just doing something because I've always done it, not because I really wanted it. 
Yeah, those external voices are, they can be powerful. Yeah, yeah, they can. You know, everyone sort of likes the, you know, the people around you have expectations of you. Do you know what I mean? And they kind of want to keep you in that space because that's comfortable for them in some, to some degree. Um, So it is interesting to change things, you know, and and to see how that affects your outside. When I said I was moving to LA, people with a lot of people in my circle were appalled. (laughs) They were like, what do you mean? You're going to LA. The people are terrible and it's going to be horrible. And it's like, okay, well, I'm like, there are terrible, horrible people everywhere. And there are also (laughs) lovely, amazing humans everywhere. So I'll just go find the lovely, amazing humans. Yeah. What, so when did you start producing? Um, I started producing, um, hold on. I started producing 2012. So, um, yeah, what's interesting is, was it December? Wait, what was it? I think it was December of 2012, maybe. And maybe I started producing 2013. Oh my God. All the dates are, they're all morphing and who cares? I produced at some point, <laughs> 2013. I don't know, somewhere in there, but I remember it was right around the holiday, right around Christmas. And, um, and I hadn't, you know, I think I, I was starting to feel really, um, not happy in, in New York. And so, you know, and, you know, in the dare to be unstoppable program too, I have my 20 year plan. Right. Mm -hmm. And I decided to redo my 20 year plan. Let's just call it 2012 Christmas of 2012. (laughs) So I do my 20 year plan and I never thought about producing before in my life. And I ended up writing in 10 years, I'll produce. And, and I, then I went back and like, it just came out of me and I went back and read over my whole plan. And I was like, that's so cool. I'm like producing. Yeah. I'm like, I'd be a good producer. That'd be fun. And then uh, we had a holiday party that we had thrown and uh, uh, a couple that I know had come and um, uh, this gentleman, Nathan, he said, we were chit chatting and he's like, Hey, I have, um, uh, he's like, I have a script that I wrote and I want you to produce it with me. And I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. I was like, I literally just wrote, I wanted to produce, but not for 10 years. So you can talk to me in 10 years. <laughs> and he was like, what? He's like, no, no, I want you to produce it. Like we're going to produce it now. And I was like, oh, but I'm busy with other things now. I can't do that now. And he's like, would you read the script? And I'm like, well, no, I'm kind of busy. He's like, it's seven pages, Jody. It's a short <laughs> film. Would you read it? I was like, oh, okay. I'll read, I'll read your thing. I was being so, so like weird about this whole thing. And I was like, I'll read it, but I don't know about producing. I was like, well, what's in it for me? If I produce, he's like, you get to play my wife. You get to play the lead. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I'll read it. I'll read this. Let's see what this is. And I read it and it was this cool little sci-fi script. And, um, and I said, yes, let's, let's do it. And, um, so this must've been 2011 because then like six months later, we did a whole, we did a whole crowdfunding and we flew out to LA and we shot it in LA. And I, I, I had always been in LA prior to that coaching. And so to be in LA acting and producing felt so cool. And, and I loved it. I love me. Producing was so freaking crazy. I had no idea what I was doing (laughs) ever. I learned as I went, that's, you know, I figured it out, but man, it was challenging. Um, but I, but I really liked it. So that was, that was the first project. And then, um, we, and then I ended up moving out here and then we shot two films my first year out here as well with that same uh, partner. And we had started, um, we started producing together and, and creating some stuff together. So that was, that was how it started. Um, we, again, unexpectedly, unexpectedly became a coach, unexpectedly <laughs> became a producer. Um, but yeah, I do. But even my producing has really evolved though over the past seven years. Um, 
uh, you know, I mean, I, I started off producing, doing a lot of on set producing, right? Like being, being like my producers are problem solvers. Like that's essentially what we are. And I'm really good at, you know, organizing and problem solving. Um, so I was sort of the on set producer, but, but now my producing has morphed into, I, I love development. I love packaging projects, um, which kind of goes along with what I teach, right? The whole branding and marketing stuff. But I love like putting together pitch packets and, and writing pitches and figuring out how, you know, how to sell it. Um, and putting the team together. Like I like the puzzle pieces is what I really like. Um, so sort of switched gears and sort of learned through the years of, no, the goal is to still be in front of the camera. I don't really want to be on set behind the camera, but I want to get the project to the set. I want to really develop it to go there. So I need to hire you to be <laughs> well you know and that was the thing I had people coming to me I'm like can you produce my project can you do this and I was like okay and then I got sucked into other people's you know stories and I was like no but wait I have stories so so now I've sort of uh it's taken me a long time but really discovered that I really want to produce um uh, uh, stories that raise human consciousness um and stories that are about something whether that's you know one of my projects on my slate um it's uh it's it, it's it, it takes place like during the um Iraq war but it's about it centers around three women and different cultures and how we're all connected and it's like this really intimate friendship story in the middle of war um you know i have another story about how we're all connected and and just humanity and the dark side and the shadows and you know uh, i'm in collaboration on another one um you know about um you know really my story with my mom you know about dementia and, and how that affects families. And so really things of just that are that are eye-opening, that talk about issues, that that raise questions, that get people to think. Um, that's really the legacy I want to leave. Yeah, no, I'm, oh my gosh, I, we should talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm exactly the same way where I'm like, I, every, every intention behind what I create there's a deeper message and there's a deeper meaning and there's like some something involving raising humanity yeah just like and like because it's like I don't know I just maybe it's because I'm empathic but and I just feel it but like yeah. there it's we're in such distress like as humans yeah. and like there's so much like just like oh it's so heavy and I'm like but we all matter every single one of us matters like you know and it's it's so it's like how can I how can I like speak that without like preaching that and so yeah that's why one of my projects which is I think my favorite producing one um we're still in development but it's in front of some big um studios right now which is very exciting so we'll see how that all pans out um but it's uh, it's actually a musical drama series um, so I feel like I'm getting back to my musical roots. It yeah. feels really exciting, but doing it in front of the camera, which is really what I want. And um, yeah, it's a musical anthology. And it's really, um, it's just, it's really exciting. It, 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 of just the, those things of how we're all connected and how some person's greatest moment can be another person's lowest moment and, and how just we as humanity function together. It's just, it's just, it, yeah, it's a really cool project that I'm really um, proud of. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I feel like sometimes creativity and like the arts and like some, like something that's not like 
I don't know, like, like speaking, like you, like vocally speaking is often a better way to like address stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When words aren't enough. Yeah. <laughs> then you, you have to break out into song or dance or something, you know? Yes. <laughs> Oh man. But you know, I think it it all it, it, it kind of hit me this year too of sort of again why I'm a coach and why producing and why you know raising humanity and all of that and I think it goes back to even you know as a kid I became an actor and found or performer whatever I was at 10, you know, um but found solace in being seen and heard, you know, and um you know, growing up with my sister being special needs, you know, like she didn't have a voice. She talks in baby sounds still to this day. Um, and it was so important for me being her, you know, little sister of having her be seen and heard for who she was. And, you know, kids would walk by the front yard and make fun of her. And I would go out there and yell at them. And I was like, no, she deserves to be here. She deserves a voice. She, you know, she deserves to be seen and heard. And, you know, even my community of clients and people who are part of my community as a coach, like, I feel like, I mean, I'm feeling, I'm so inclusive and I want everyone to be seen and heard. And, and that's what I want to do with my filmmaking is uh, we all, these, these issues, these deep issues, people of all the races, sexes, sizes, colors, whatever, we all get to be seen and heard. And I think that's for me this year, even distilled down to that of, of my driving force. Yeah. And you absolutely do that. Like I <laughs> cannot tell you how many times I wrote deleted and rewrote that first email to you because I was so nervous to reach out to you. And uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not kidding. Oh my God. Like, because, okay. Because I am terrified of everything, uh, <laughs> but, but like, oh my gosh, you could not have been kinder responding. Like I could feel your energy through your, your, your email oh. and every, every time we meet and anytime we're like doing um, dare to be unstoppable coaching sessions and with like community, like, Oh my gosh, you're such a light. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I want to ask about audiobooks because this is so cool. <laughs> I'm so curious about this because like, so the only audiobooks that I have listened to are Harry Potter, um, the, <laughs> <laughs> literally the Jim Dale narrations okay. for any Harry Potter fans out there. Um, <laughs> but Okay, so how did you get started with audiobook narration and what is your process like? Got it. So it's so funny, like even like coaching and producing it, it sort of just happened. It's so, and I never thought I'd be an audiobook narrator. So, <laughs> so I move out here 2013 and, um, you know, I knew a lot of people, uh, other like, um, you know, acting coaches or this or that because they helped promote my coaching business coming out here. So I had a lot of colleagues that I knew out here. And one of them was um, David H. Lawrence, the 17th. And he has a company called VOHeroes.com. Um, and at the time, I think it was called vo to go go And anyway, I moved out here. David's like, let me take you out to lunch. And we went out to lunch and we were chit-chatting. And, uh, you know, when I was in New York, I never had space to do voiceover. It wasn't really, I mean, I did book, a, I did book a commercial VO job in New York. I booked a couple of those, but I never, never thought about audiobooks and recording from home. I never had space at home to do that. And, you know, coming to LA, I had more space and, and David was like, Hey, I'm teaching this live audiobook class. Why don't, why don't you, he's like, just come be my guest. I was like, okay. So I show up to this class and, um, you know, I got up on the mic and worked a little bit and got some samples from the class that day. And, and he was talking about ACX and ACX is a, 
it's a platform owned by Audible, which is owned by Amazon. You know, Amazon owns the world. And um, yeah, but ACX connects uh, authors with narrators. So it's like um, uh, an audition site for, for narrators to, in, to audition for books. So I went home and put up, created a profile on that and put up my little samples from class. And literally a week later, I got a, a woman listened to my sample and booked me for her book right off my wow, sample. Oh my God. And I was like, oh no, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, so I call up David. I was like, David, give me a crash course in this audiobook thing. I'm like, what do I do? Um, so he helped me out. And I that was my first book. And it was a it was a comedy thriller. It was so fun. And um, yeah, so I stumbled through that and got my first book out there and then just learned, learned as I went. David supported me and I, and I, and I learned as I went. And now I have, I don't know, about uh, over, I've, I mean, I, I, audiobooks for me are like a side thing. Do you know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. I do. I mean, yeah, I mean, I probably, there was a time I was doing about 10, 10, 12 books a year. Um, but then I took a couple of years off because of family things and didn't really do anything. But now I think I have about 40 titles on Audible, I think. Um, uh, but it's just, it's just a super fun little side creative hustle thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, I do. Like I'm on book 10 of a series right now, which is a sci-fi romance series. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of fun um but yeah it's just super i i think that there's different types of narrators um i haven't listened to the harry potter stuff but i've heard he doesn't do like character voices but i i do like character voices so i'll create like full-on characters for each of the the characters in the book so everyone will have their own voice and um so it's really it feels like a fun performance so i just get to you know be all these different characters and tell a story um, so yeah, I really, I really love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I read the book first and obviously, um, and, you know, map out all the characters and get some ideas for voices and I'll lay down some tracks of voices and send them to my author and she'll approve them or give me notes. Um, and as soon as the voices are locked, I just get in my booth and start going. That's so fun. Oh my God. It's really fun. And I was just grateful to have, to have that. Um, especially during the pandemic last year, because that was my coaching business oh, yeah. and the audiobooks was what really kept me going, which was good. Do you find that there are like parallels between creating a voice character and creating or like finding the character in an acting project? I don't go as deep with like my on-camera characters as excuse me, I don't go as deep with my voiceover characters as I do with my on-camera characters. You know, like with if I'm creating, you know, if I have an acting role or even an audition, like I'm really diving into, you know, the psychology of the character and writing their backstories. I love doing that and really figuring out how they really think and feel about stuff and what are their limiting beliefs and how do they function in the world? Like, I love that stuff. Um, I don't necessarily do that for my audiobook characters. I mean, unless it warrants it, but a lot of the stories I tell, you know, a sci-fi romance, I'm not going so deep into the psychology of a character. You know what I mean? That's fair. (laughs) fair. Um, But there's definitely some parallels. And I've had other books where, you know, I've done a lot of mystery thrillers and had to narrate like serial killer voices and people really, you know, psychopaths. And so it's been kind of fun to understand that person, you know, so I'll do a little bit deeper work on that. Um, 
but it's really like, how does this, how does this character think and how do they sound, you know, is really, and how can I convey that through the mic, you know, without people seeing my face and reactions and that kind of stuff. So, so it's a little bit different, but yeah, there's some definitely similarities. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the Harry Potter, uh, I think there were two audio uh, versions of it because Jim Dale 100% gets into character voices. Oh, okay, great, great. Yeah, and that's why I compl- like I can't read the books because I hear his voice and <laughs> listen to it so many times. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so stellar, and I'm and like because my series, I'm I'm like. Who's gonna do the audio for my series? <laughs> <laughs> Can I hire Jim Dale? <laughs> right? <laughs> you never know. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> if Jim's not available, just give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's sci-fi, so it would work out. Right? <laughs> right. Also, I'm hearing a comedy theme with you. Have you ever done stand-up? <laughs> you know, I have not. I have not. Um, you still have time. I have time. <laughs> it scares me. So I know it's probably something I get to do at yeah. some point. Um, but yes. but no, I have not done stand up. <laughs> I people tell me that I'm so funny. And I know I'm I'm hilarious, but I'm actually just sarcastic. So <laughs> like I don't know if I'm actually funny or I'm just like I'm witty and sarcastic and salty and it's all, it's all the things, <laughs> but I am also terrified of stand up. We were talking about this in an artist way um, and how you like, you like have to bomb to be able to like get through it. And I'm like, I, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't bomb. <laughs> like I couldn't put myself through that. Oh yeah. That was, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot. It's a, it, it feels different to me than acting. Do you know what I mean? Even though like mm-hmm. as an actor, I know I bring a lot of myself to my roles, you know, like I think I've, I think I became an actor to be other people and then realized over the years that, Oh, it's really just different facets of myself that I'm allowing people to see. Um, but there's just something about stand up that just feels really um, raw and vulnerable, <laughs> you know, exposed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. 100%. Do you wait? Okay. So I'm, I'm curious. Cause you said that you, uh, come up with characters, backstories and, and whatnot. That's not like stated to you. Like you actors get to do that themselves. Um, well, like for an audition, right. So I've gotten say four pages of a 98 page script and, you know, I'm auditioning for a supporting role say, and all I have is the information in these four pages. Maybe they didn't release the script. Um, so, you know, they'll give you a character description of, you know, I mean, like a two line description. Um, but to really like, you know, when I look at a script, I, I'm always going, what's my way into this character? Right. Because I think so many times um, actors get caught up in what do they want? What can what do they want? What, what can I give them? How can I give them what they want? Right. Mm-hmm. Where there's no way to know what that director wants, that producer wants, that casting director wants. They don't even know half the time what they want. Right. And if we're yeah. constantly uh, trying to give them what they want, I'm leaving myself out of the equation and I'm second guessing myself. So I, I've learned over the years to to like, how do I want to tell this story? What how how? Who, how, how do I see myself in this character? What's my in with this character? You know, like the themes of the stories I tell, what are the themes in this script that I can see in front of me and what's, how can I get in there? 
right? Um, so, so yeah, so I typically write, I make up my own backstory of who this person is, um, you know, based on not, not based on nothing, like based on what I've read in the script and the information that's given to me, but I fill in the holes so I can have a clear, complete picture of who I'm playing. Right. Yeah. And I just understand, um, how they think and what they want and what they don't want and what they believe and, and really, um, flush that out. And, and for me, that's where the creativity starts for me. Like I love writing those little backstories because it just gets me excited to understand this, this person I get to play. Yeah. I feel like just like listening to you talk, like that's a lot of work. (laughs) And I'm like, I like, I think you have to love it. And that's probably why I'm not pursuing acting is because I don't love it enough to put in that amount of work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta love it. It's, um, and you know, and there's times I think, gosh, I mean, I've fallen out of love with it and come back in love with it and fallen out of love with it and come back in love with it. And I think this past, you know, two years I've been like super in love with it, which has been really fun. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, you got to love the process of it all, you know, and so many actors, like, I just want to be on set acting. I don't want to audition. I'm like, well, that's how you get to be on set acting, you know, right. <laughs> um, and you can create your own stuff. I mean, there's no one way to do anything, but you know, that is the typical way to do it, you know? So I think it's really important to, well, I'll say this. I think I've discovered my process. Like I know what my systems and my processes are. I know when I get a script, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know what I do before I put it on tape. I know what I do when I get it on tape. I know what I do afterwards. Like I know what my system is and I love it and it works for me. And I think that's what I think a lot of actors might be missing is, you know, they're told so many times what to do in a class or they learn this thing, but they don't learn how to make it their own and take ownership of it and find what works for them. That's exciting to them because yes, it's true in the industry. Now we get to, you know, put our own audition on tape. So I get to work on the script. I get to find someone to rehearse it with. I get to choose my costumes, my makeup. I got to set up the camera. I got to be my own cinematographer. I got to be my own lighting designer. You know, I get to be all those things now, my own editor. And you got to find a way to love how to do that. Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like, when I realized that I love everything that goes into directing and, and creating mm-hmm. and taking a story and like seeing it through to fruition, like that's when I was like, I want this more than acting. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's a great realization, you know? Yeah. Um, an important one too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally. <laughs> So, okay. So super quick, just because I, I want to be mindful of time. Um, I wanted to ask and chat about kind of like how our life experiences and the things that we go through personally can influence and affect and, and show up in our creativity. I feel like we kind of, we kind of chatted about this. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like did when you were battling breast cancer, did creativity show up differently? And like, did it change? Did your creativity change afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'll say yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer very early on in life. Um, it came out of nowhere, no family history, no nothing. So it was such a shocker to me. And I think more so than creativity at that time, it was just a, a lesson in um, slowing down. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's important? What do I really want? You know, life is freaking short. And 
Um, so for me, it was sort of a downshift, right? And I, I actually had to take about six months out of the biz while I was going through treatment and stuff just to know how the treatment would affect me and all that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, for me, it was a slowing down period. And on the other side of that, um, I, I did a play right, uh, I think probably about six months and, um, uh, of being diagnosed and it was a beautiful play by a playwright who I love in New York, um, Dana Leslie Goldstein. And, uh, it was called next year in Jerusalem and doing that play after going through that experience, um, was, it was just vulnerable on a different level. Um, it just, just, I think that's where probably my process of wanting to understand a character's pain, um, their, how they get in their way, how they self-sabotage, what, what, you know, what, what, um, what gets in their way, what, what limiting beliefs do they have? Like, I think a lot of my process of uncovering that stuff in characters came at that point because I think I had done a lot of self-examination for those six months of about well, what's getting in my way from getting my dreams. If this is, if, you know, thrown this curveball, what's stopping mm. me, what's, you know, now I have this, this new, uh, quote unquote suffering in my life. So how does that define me? What, how do I see, what's the filter I see things through now? And, and, and so just doing that play right after that, um, was just super vulnerable and just felt like, um, creativity just opened in a deeper way for me. Yeah. Oh my God. That's beautiful. Um, okay. Is there, is there anything else that before we jump to final five that I didn't ask about that you want to share? Oh my God. I don't know. I feel like we've been all over the place. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know. It's totally fine. We can jump to final five. We covered it. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Um, so final five are technically speed round. They're never speed round. Um, so yeah, (laughs) question one, what's been your favorite project to produce thus far? Oh, well, I, I think I, I, I said that earlier, String Lights. I'm really loving um, the development of this project and the music in this project is so freaking cool. Um, so yes, I would say um, String Lights. Amazing. Uh, what's been your favorite role to play? Okay. Um, can I, I'm going to say two. That's fine. Okay. Um, in theater, um, uh, there's a play called Sylvia by A.R. Gurney. Um, and I've done the role twice. Sarah Jessica Parker actually did it on Broadway. So Sylvia, it's, it's a, a woman plays a dog actually is the, the premise of the script. And that's where I ended up naming my dog. Sylvia was from doing that, that play. So that play oh always have a special place, um, in my heart. Um, and the other one was when the me too movement happened, I did, I was cast in this short film called non-disclosure. Um, and, it was a really great project uh, about gender reversal and sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, and it was really, it was a very cool project with a really great up and coming director. That's cool. When I was a senior in high school, I played um, Sandy and Annie, the dog. Oh my gosh. I was so proud of myself. You peaked young. <laughs> Totally. You know what? I'm pretty sure that was the last production out stage production I was in. <laughs> You're like, I'm not playing a dog again. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It was amazing. Um, okay, you did also say this, but 
you can choose a different one or or state it again. What's uh what's your dream role? God, oh yeah, I mentioned a couple uh, musical theater stuff, but really the dream for me is a series regular TV um, drama, dramedy show, but like um, like a detective or lawyer who like seemingly has it all together, um, but is like myopic in the pursuit of truth. Like I want to play that role. It hasn't been written yet. I want it written. I want to book it. I want to play it. <laughs> well, you know what? You said it here. So now <laughs> the universe has it. And Perfect. Manifest. <laughs> Thank you, universe. <laughs> Uh, question four, what advice do you have for artists, one, just starting out, and two, who think it's too late for them? Mm. Okay, so just starting out, um, I would say, yes, please, oh, please learn your craft, and you can learn the business at the same time. And I think but the vital thing is really know who you want to be um, in this industry, know how you're perceived in this industry and know what your values are. Cause we all make decisions based from our value systems. And I think if you can really start off in your career, knowing who you want to be, knowing how you want to show up and knowing what your own value system is, then I don't think anything can stop you. Yay. Yeah. Oh, the second part, the second part was, what was it? If it's people who think it's too late for them, it's too late. Well, if you believe that's true, then it's true. <laughs> yep. right because there's countless evidence against that um so many actors have made it quote unquote later in their career it's never too late i said this earlier the industry needs all ages sizes ethnicities anything so if you think it's too late i really i just invite you to move past that limiting belief because that's all that that is that's just an excuse okay last question what's one of the most influential things you've learned throughout your career Oh God. Um, I know. Just pick one. <laughs> I know. Um, okay. I feel compelled to say self-care. Mm. Um, I'm a type A workaholic. I used to work all the time. I would work till 2am and get up at seven, you know, um, and I would burn out. So I think for me, um, especially like with creativity, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, how can you be creative if you're tired and overworked, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I think really figuring out a self self care, self care ritual, um, to always, um, put your mind, body and spirit first. Yeah. I love ending on that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for chatting with us. <laughs> Truly. Oh my God. Thank literally, you. like you've become one of my biggest role models at this point because you are like, oh. you are such a powerhouse and you're so genuine. And like, I look at you and I'm just like, oh yeah, I want to be like Jody. And I'm just, I, I just love you so much. And I'm so grateful to be able to know oh. you and work with you. And yeah, just thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my God, you're making me cry. <laughs> thank you for having me, really. And thank you for your beautiful words. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media, all of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time.